Hi, Cricklectuals. Welcome back to another episode. I'm joined by my co-host, Rufan, here. How's it going, Rufan? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Cricklectuals. I'm good, man. Just uh, trying to get back into work mode after a holiday yesterday. By the way, we keep on talking about work being hard and holidays in the same breath. Our audience is probably thinking, what are you complaining about? But anyway, we do stay busy all year long. It's just that all these holidays at the end of the year and uh, January, beginning of the year, get packed together. Yes, so some of us do get to work hard all year long and others just get the whole summer off. Uh, Some Some of us get summers (laughs) off. I wonder who that is. Um, Our audience probably doesn't even know our day jobs and what we do, actually. (laughs) Uh, That'll be interesting to share, too. One day. One day, but uh, since now you called me out with my summers off, I'm a school teacher, so Rufan is uh, making a joke about me getting two months of summer off. But yes, those are nice. But to your point, absolutely. You know, we get some holidays in the winter too, but everything adds up to an intense experience in the winter because obviously it's not only right now there's, you know, COVID going around, but at the same time, it's very cold (laughs) and weather gets crazy in different parts of the country around this time and it affects your mood, your work and everything. So it's crazy, but you know, this is why uh, the podcast is the nice little distraction and an enjoyment on the side that we get to do at nighttime to kind of just wind down a bit and, and enjoy talking about the things we like talking about. And today on the agenda, we have a few things. Uh, we have the best 100 program. We wanted to share our thoughts around. Uh, we have some PSL team picks we'll share with you today. Then Ramiz's four nation T20 series proposal that he tweeted about. And uh, finally, this recent story that just broke out about children in our under 13, under 16 teams that were actually over age and that led to the cancellation of the national tournaments. Uh, so we'll share our thoughts on that too. So let's start with the best 100. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Rufan? What do you know about it? What's going on? Very interesting, of course. Uh, we at Cricolectuals always welcome all the new ideas and initiatives. We actually also fantasize that Ramiz Raja is listening to our podcast because anything we talk about turns into reality the next day. So, Rabiz, if you're listening, don't stay quiet. Mention our name. <laughs> Give us a shout out. Yeah, so it's very interesting, but I do have some questions. So, this is a scholarship of sorts that was announced a couple weeks ago, was it? Uh, yeah. Called the Best 100 Program for Youth and Talented Cricketers from ages 11 to 19. Apparently, they will be provided with full scholarship for education and 30,000 rupees monthly, which is great to motivate these youngsters and stimulate passion in youth in cricket altogether. So with every good initiative, there's always some questions that raise. And I'm always concerned about the sustainability and longevity of programs like this. I also want to know what's the process to select the top 100 players and is it going to remain when then boys or girls are going to be selected as well. That's a question as well. So I don't know, Jay, how much you read about it. But yeah, it sounds uh, very interesting and promising for Pakistan cricket. I'm just curious uh, on additional details and how everything is going to unfold and come together at the end. Great points. We wrote and published a blog post about this also, and we try to point out some of the the missing or some of the gaps per se, some of the, some of the things that you're mentioning basically about uh, what the program sounds like on surface. And when you 
look closely what questions come up. And we've posted those questions in our blog post, so check them out at cricklectures.com. But in summary, this program, the Best 100, is also being referred to as junior contracts or it's under the umbrella of the larger initiative that Ramiz Raja had been kind of spearheading, which is the Pathways Cricket. So in under the Pathways Cricket initiative, one of the ways in which they're strengthening and building pathways for children to enter into professional cricket over time, the one of those programs is the Best 100. The details are that we know so far are that the 100 will be picked from between the ages of 11 and 19. So right away, there's a big band of ages, a long range, if you will, to choose from. So that's a lot of children. And the PCB has been putting out these videos lately of some of these younger players, you know, padding up, getting ready to bat and practice because I think they're doing tryouts right now to pick uh, the best 100. And you can find these videos on PCB's social media outlets, especially their Facebook page where they, you know, have kids talk about what this means to them and why they want to be in the program, et cetera. So it's kind of cool in that way. They're really showcasing it. They're also showcasing the kids. Um, But at the same time, all we know is that they're going to give 30,000 rupees a month to each of the kids in the program. And they're also going to get the opportunity to have room and board in one of the stadiums where they'll have rooms available for kids to stay in so they don't have to travel back and forth. So that, that allows them to find children from all around Pakistan and bring them to one central location, like the Naya Nazimabad uh, Stadium. There, students won't have to necessarily leave the cricket ground to, you know, spend time commuting back and forth between home and and the sports activities. Um, they'll also, in addition to the 30,000 Pakistani rupees a month, they'll get a scholarship to a, an institution of education. They were branding it as high-quality top schools, uh, they'll be partnering with that you know will be awarding free education to the children who get into the 100 program and so it's like a full package and the 30000 rupees uh, compensation will go to families because a lot of times some families rely on children for some source of income as well so to re- remediate that and also at the same time to encourage parents to kind of put in uh, their children's name in the hat or, or, or encourage their children to actually try out, they've added this stipend. So again, just to reiterate what Fana is saying, I 100% agree, agree that this is a good initiative. More such initiatives should exist. And this one comes straight from the PCB. So that's what makes it nice. And children will have access to state-of-the-art facilities. They'll have access to really good, high-quality coaches. And from a very young age, they'll get proper training, not only in just the art of cricket, but also the art of interaction, interpersonal sort of communication and, you know, all the other aspects of being a national, international level athlete kind of will be will be inculcated and trained. So this whole package seems really awesome. What we don't know is how the kids will be chosen. We don't know how they'll, will there be a rolling basis and like Rafan was saying, how long this program will last. And we also don't know smaller details like who's running this program. Like, is there a director of or a manager of this program who's spearheading the whole initiative? Is it Ramiz himself focusing all his energy on this? Or there's someone else, you know, that kind of leads this program. And then, you know, what's the end goal of this program? Out of the hundred, 
I imagine not all 100 will stay by the end or will qualify to kind of enter into the different pathways of cricket. Some might quit. Like, you know, some details about that are missing. Right. And what if they, someone wants to leverage and take the income for other needs? And as you mentioned, a lot of families do need additional source of income and they enroll their kids into this program with the end goal being just getting an additional piece of salary. Uh, but the good thing is that on the other side, some parents might, for a change, who want their kids to study and not get involved in a side gig because they want their kids to you know, take part in traditional careers, whether it be engineer, doctor, or whatever it might be. So this might encourage you know, parents to enroll their kids in something they may already be good at. But yeah, there's a lot of questions and uh, I want to know how they're going to select the top 100. And like you said, how many of those 100 are going to make it to the national team? It looks like they're going to bring players and applications to National High Performance Center, is it? That's right, yeah. And then some high performance coaches are going to oversee the whole operation. And yeah, so best of luck to them, but we do need some transparency around it and we do need to know what work needs to be done and how everything is going to unfold. Speaking of transparency, uh, Ramiz is very transparent about what he wants to talk to the ICC about. I'm referring to the four nation T20 series, the quadrangular. He tweeted uh, that he's going to advocate for a T20 series, a tournament between Australia, England, Pakistan, and India. And he wants to make it an entity of its own in the sense that it's it's got its own CEO, it's got its own finance structure, its own revenue generation kind of scheme and whatnot. And, and that's what he wants. He says he's going to pitch uh, this past week to ICC. <laughs> and the ICC CEO, he acknowledged it, but he said no such proposal has come to his desk yet. Uh, he hasn't heard about it, but Ramiz did announce it to the whole world. What were your thoughts? <laughs> you know, we like Ramiz, right? But uh, he does get way too excited. He definitely makes statements prematurely. And <laughs> it's not something you announce to the public and not talk to ICC about it. It should have been the other way around. I know he's trying to get some reaction and response of the public from it, but this is not the way of doing it. And the excitement he would have gotten from people who backed this up would have been at equal level had he spoken to ICC body first and then announced it to the public. We would have acknowledged it. And the public would have been more excited and at the same time would be waiting for a response from ICC. Another concern I have is the look at the nations that are not part of this initiative. When the big three was formed, Australia, England, and India, all the other nations frowned upon it, right? It was demeaning to all the other nations. And Pakistan was actually leading to stand against the whole idea and was the strong opposing force at the time. Now it sounds like that we're kind of joining in and saying, oh, okay, you guys are not good enough, but we think we're part of the big three and it should be big four. You know, I get it. England, Australia, India, Pakistan have their historic vendetta and it's exciting to see them watch and the games are action-packed. 
but we should have thought about the other nations who were supportive of us when we were standing against the whole idea of big three. It was one side against the other. And for that reason, I think this idea is going to turn a lot of heads and attract some negativity, in my opinion. That's an interesting point. I didn't think of that at all. That whole, like, the, what do you call them, the optics of this whole thing to other nations who are not generally, I guess, um, their ratings are not as high when they're playing, right? So it's an interesting way to look at it. I agree with that. You know, Pakistan is kind of also inserting themselves into something that doesn't exist uh, right now, right? So it's kind of like someone forcing their way into a friendship that that already mm-hmm. exists, right? And there's usually only trouble if you're not wanted there and you're forcing yourself into some kind of a partnership with the big three, for example. It's going to be difficult. But also the way to get things done is to be a little bit more aggressive in your approach, right? So I think if Ramiz is trying to increase revenue for Pakistan Cricket Board, I can understand why he's trying to do some of these things and trying to get these high profile series going because the fans have also, the Pakistani fans anyway, have been asking the question of like, when are we going to play India? And one thing that this solves is this idea allows us to Pakistan and India to play together under the veil of, you know, Oh, it's a quadrangular series. It's not just Pakistan and India because again, given the politics of the two countries, the Pakistan India series is not, you can't just promote that and you can't arrange that because it's not going to work right now. It's not going to happen. So the next best thing is to figure out a tournament where both teams can be a part of like the T20 world cup where they have to play each other, but it's not really playing each other exclusively. Uh, So in that way, I, I like this idea to like force people and the powers that be to think about, including and creating new kind of series and also kind of bring these back. This is not new. This sort of thing happened before these series used to happen before. And then Pakistan and West Indies just became not a part of those series. You know, Australia used to have the Benson Hedges series, was it? Or the Carlton something series. Now there's less and less of that type of cricket happening. We just have the bilateral series happening. So this is one way to kind of bring our attention back to mm-hmm. that type of a structure where more teams can be invited. And what happens is this kind of thing can open doors for the other teams as well. So on the one hand, yes, some teams are being excluded. But if there's a quadrangular cup happening, there might be then because of this, it might inspire other teams to arrange another quadrangular in which there's one big team like, I don't know, India uh, or England. Right. And then the other three get to play against, you know, them too. So like, I think this is a good thing, a good initiative. But the way in which I think Ruiz went about it is kind of like too strong handed. Yeah, right. I agree with that. I think it's going to generate revenues, generate interest. I mean, who doesn't want to see Pakistan, India, Australia, England not play or all together in one series? You know, like you said, back in the day when we did play tri-series, there was other teams involved as well. It was one home team, whether in Australia or England, and other nations got to be participants at the same time. And also, it's not easy to bring four teams together to play a tournament. These days, it's very difficult. There's T20 tournaments going on every single month of the year, and there's definitely a time issue. I know we do play ashes for month and a half not 
that we should scratch that, but we do have series with three different formats against two teams. Maybe scratch one of the formats and have four-team tournament. So I think it's going to really come down to timing. And But first things first, let's uh, let Ramiz send out the actual proposal and see how ICC responds. And then maybe we'll, on another episode, sit down and talk about this. Yeah. Um, so next up on our agenda, we have the PSL and a lot of, you know, PSL stuff going around. And uh, the first game, I believe, is the 27th of January. And in preparation of these teams, I think teams are, have their final 18 to 20 players. Not all teams have a full 20 player squad, but more or less we know what the teams are. Uh, for the Calendars, Sultans, Kings, United, Gladiators, and Zulmi. So um, what are the teams that stick out to you? And uh, maybe what are your top two teams? Man, we were supposed to talk about this last week, but we couldn't cover it because we talked too damn much. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I, I mistakenly actually deleted our podcast and uh, there was still a fragment of you talking for 30 minutes left somehow. <laughs> Yeah, that's a problem you'll have with this one too. I mean, we were talking about these coaches for 30 minutes, and if there was a six coach, a sledging coach, you'd make the perfect (laughs) candidate for it. (laughs) So moving forward, you're asking the wrong guy. So the first two years the PSL started, uh, my team that I backed up. By the way, I like the whole idea where we all collectively get to celebrate our players and not associate our interests with a certain city. Because in Pakistan, usually when you ask about a city, let's say Gujarwala, and people would mention this specific food from that city. You know, it's all about food. With PSL, you get to really enjoy the different traditions and cultures and, you know, the historic buildings and landmarks. And me and you being both enthusiasts of architecture, we really enjoy seeing the vast beauty of Pakistan in each city, especially the cities we didn't see as kids, and uh, not just for food, but the whole nine. So I was saying, you, you're asking the wrong guy, because first two years I picked Lahore Kalanders because there were some superstars I don't remember that I backed up at the time, and it sounded attractive to me, and I thought they were going to go all the way. But uh, they ended up both years dead last. And then two years later, Multan Sultan came into the picture. And uh, I have a memory associated with Multan or Bahawalpur. When back when I was 10, I was moving from Karachi to Rawalpindi. And I got to stay there and experience the culture firsthand. So I think for that reason, when Multan Sultans were introduced two years later, I thought their name was awesome. Their logo was cool. And their uniform to date is the best one out there. So I immediately backed up Multan Sultan. And guess what? That day, I think they were either dead last or second to last as well. (laughs) So this year, I think I'm going to remain with Multan Sultans and back up that team. And the player is Rizwan, who we've been talking about all year long. And the second team I would back up this year would be Karachi Kings because it's just stacked with a bunch of superstars. So we did a review of the Multan Sultans on the YouTube channel and... It's got some really good players, obviously, and it's got some hitters in there. Shanawaz Dhani's in there, too, um, as, as a bowler. So it should be cool. My top pick is going to be, I don't have any such investment, by the way, the way you've described it. I don't, PSL is a new kind of interest for me. 
um, actually starting last year. I haven't been following the league since its inception, so I actually don't know a whole lot about its history. Uh, so it's going to be an educational process for me as I learn and see what how the franchises work together and and what happens. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. So the team that I'm picking for now, my I have top two right now, and my my first one is uh, Gorda Gladiators. And you mentioned players. I was thinking about Iftikhar Ahmed, Muhammad Nawaz, uh, Sarfaraz Ahmed, and Shahid Afridi. So these four nice. players, to me, I think are going to be really game changing for them. They're just looking really a formidable team because of them four. Sarfaraz has experience so much of with the national team captaining Shahid Afridi, same thing. And then I was really impressed with Iftikhar Ahmed and Muhammad Nawaz with their batting, especially. So I'm really interested in seeing how that works out. And then they also have James Vince. Mm-hmm. It's really going to be interesting. I think uh, Safraz Ahmed is going to be captaining. And um, yeah, I'm just really looking forward to it. They have Ben Duckett also. And your favorite, Umar Akmal, he's coming back. Yes. And that, that's an interesting pick because Umar Akmal went to the U.S., didn't do well, came back. He didn't look fit at all, but somehow he's in this team. So we'll see. But that's my question mark player. Uh, but other than that, Quetta Gladiators is looking on point for me. With uh, bowling, they're a little bit on the weaker side, but they do have Sahil Tanvir and Nasim Shah. So Nasim doesn't have that much experience, but he's been developing and getting better and better. So I'm looking really forward to that. Uh, and my second one is Karachi Kings. And, uh, you know, you had Mohamed Rizwan. This one is Babar Azam's team. And um, they've got a couple of really good players. The Joe Clark. That's a really special talent I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, when I was reviewing Karachi Kings and making that video, his stats really stuck out to me. So I'm really interested in seeing him play. You know, we have Muhammad Amir in there too. That's going to be cool. So I'm interested in Karachi mm-hmm. Kings. They always also bring this attitude and passion that that team. They have a lot of pride in themselves. And uh, I like to see a little bit of that. They always produce these like intense moments with like, you know, players sledging one another and 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 stuff yeah. like that. I love that kind of ex- excitement and entertainment. So we're excited and we'll see what happens. And we'll obviously be covering the games and talking about the games in our future episodes. So stay tuned. And our last item on the list, uh, which will be real quick, this uh, overage children in our underage cricket. So the story headline is basically there was these under 16 and under 13 tournaments that were going on. And uh, they were canceled because after testing, they do this bone-based testing to identify children's true age. And they determined that many of the children registered under a certain age number, but that's not how old they really were. They were older than that. And that's been a common problem and a historic problem in Pakistan cricket. Shahid Afridi has spoken about it in his book. That's been the most high-profile example of this, where he claimed to be, I don't know, 20 or something, but he, he was older or something. So things like that have been ongoing. And this was the latest example of that. But the my reaction is kudos to PCB for actually canceling the tournament and fixing the issue and addressing the issue. And, you know, excluding those individuals and those players who actually don't make the cutoff for the age. So this sets a good example for anyone else 
uh, in the future. And uh, I think it's a it's a really good kind of lesson for everyone to learn and to change our cricket culture around age, because it's not fair to, to younger children who have to play with older children who are pretending to be young. And, you know, they're obviously in better shape, stronger in a lot of cases. So it's just not fair to younger children who are honestly trying to compete playing under the right age group. So I'm all for it. I'm glad that they're doing this. And I hope that this is a good lesson that'll put a stop to this practice. Yeah, I mean, you've made all the important points here. So without saying much, uh, I'm glad that this has been looked into. Uh, This was long overdue. We really hope the children who are really well-deserving and are within the age get more and more chances. And good on PCB to finally look into this and correct the system and track these down. So good things all around, even though this is a tough piece of news, but it's a good thing overall. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up our episode for this week. Make sure you check us out on our Facebook page and also check out our YouTube channel at Crick Electuals. And until next time, this is Jan Rufan signing out. Peace. Peace.